Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tauber Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Now, on to the show. Today we have with us John Bolton, who runs a YouTube channel called Cycling on a Shoestring. He is an avid cyclist and he is really passionate about the community and the work that he does, not only in cycling, but in many other areas. And we are going to have this amazing discussion on what's possible for your own cycle touring. And John is going to share his resources. And of course, we're going to put all the links on how to find him in the show notes. And I recently did an interview with John on his YouTube channel, so we will ensure to include that as well. So you can see that we've been getting to know each other pretty well, John. So welcome yes. to the show. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me. I didn't realize when I, I booked the interview with you, I think you were in Hawaii at the time with warm showers that I'd be, you know, you'd reciprocate, but this is awesome. I do appreciate it. Yeah. And I love what you're doing. You're, you're bringing resources to people on how to take this passion of cycling and being able to do it in affordable ways. So you're, you're really providing resources that people otherwise just don't always know about. Well, you know what I think is interesting, and particularly in the last couple of years since you know COVID and whatnot, um, if you've been following along and if anybody uh, who's watching or listening, sorry, um, here's this. They know that prices of things have gone up incredibly in the last um, you know, couple of years. Uh, I noticed the first summer of COVID, I saw a lot more people out riding bikes. They had the time. Um, they went out and bought bicycles. And that, you know, supply and demand, uh, a lot of demand for the, uh, with the little supply and prices went through the roof. And, you know, for years, I've been looking for the best prices possible. And it could be from anywhere. I'm, I'm a strong proponent of the independent bike dealer, for sure. I have friends who own bike shops, and I try to buy as much as I can from them because it's, you know, your local business person generally that, that, that has those shops. But I'm always looking for a good deal. And I think most people are in that, uh, in that boat as well. And where are you located, John? I'm in Calgary, Alberta. I've lived here uh, in the uh, kind of the foothills of the Rocky Mountains for about 12 years now. Uh, just quickly for people who don't know where Calgary is exactly, it's sort of in southern Alberta. Um, we're about 100K from the mountains, so you can see them quite nicely here. But as you go towards the west, you get into the foothills, so lots of great bike riding uh, just to the west of Calgary and down to the south. But as soon as you go east of Calgary, you're in the prairies, and it is yeah. flat all the way to the Ontario border, which is, you know, a couple of provinces uh, past us. So it's a really interesting place and a fantastic place to live. I, I love hearing your accent because, you know, many people on the show have heard me share that I spent 14 years in Toronto. So I've been to Calgary. I've been all across Canada. I'm half Canadian. And so I, yeah. I start to hear the little the little Canadian accent in your voice. And I'm like, oh, that's right. He's Canadian. <laughs> well, people always say that, uh, say that to me, eh? Yeah. <laughs> it, and it's funny because sometimes I've been back in Colorado more than 10 years and a lot of people will occasionally hear me say something because I, you know, a, a lot of the Canadian pronunciation is very overpronunciated of certain words, right? Or, or different um, accents in different parts. So I still get the occasional American that will say, 
what did you just say? <laughs> Especially right. if I say pardon, because I, I don't say huh or what. <laughs> I, say, I say pardon and I can just tell. So anyway, right. th- thanks for sharing that. So let's go back to this this topic of the supply and demand, because I know that there were certain periods of time in the last few years where new bikes were just not available. Like there was no mm-hmm. stock. And we heard this happening around the world that people were having a hard time actually sourcing um, used and new bikes. Have you found that that has changed? Has supply started to catch up to the demand? <sighs> I don't know really that it is, but I think if they do have it in stock, prices have gone up. I was back in my hometown, which is in southwestern Ontario last year. A friend of mine owns a bike shop called Blackwell Cycle there, and he lent me a Cannondale Synapse bicycle. Nice bicycle, carbon fiber road bike, and I did a bunch of riding while I was home. And he said, John, it was amazing. He said, I had... And then the next month it came in and it was $600 more. I mean, the same bike, exactly the same bike. Has it picked up again? I think there's still um, a lot of demand out there for bicycles, and I don't think supply has caught up. And, of course, we've been running into supply chain issues pretty much on Mm -hmm. everything in North America as of late. Um, The bike, the mountain bike that I bought about uh, two years ago for $3,600, almost the same bike right now is over $5,000 Canadian. That's how much things have have changed. So Mm -hmm. cycling has become more expensive. So, you know, I'm always looking for a good deal. I'm always looking for lower cost stuff if I can get it. But I want to maintain quality. And it's not always about low cost for me. It's about buying something that's got good value. You may pay more for something, but it may have longevity to it. I bought some cycling shoes, paid a little bit more because I wanted good shoes on my feet a few years ago, but I ride my shoes until they're almost gone. So I knew that they would last me for a long time. So that's what I'm always looking for when it comes to you know cycling gear and cycling products. And do you have any affiliation with suppliers or has anybody approached you to uh, partner together to bring their products to the market? I have, um, you know, by, by, you know, I've got, I'm working on 800 followers and subscribers on YouTube. So it's kind of a slow process, but it's been building and building. I want to get to that 1000 mark. Um, and I had, I did have a company get in touch with me and they wanted to do that. But my concern was, um, I wanted to kind of maintain neutrality, right? Um, It's hard to be paid by a company and do neutral and completely honest reviews of their product because, uh, and and I didn't want other people to think, oh, you're only saying something good about that because you're kind of on on their payroll. So I kind of get away from that. I do get things given to me. I get quite a bit of stuff given to me, but I always tell them, listen, I'm going to be very honest with your product. I'm going to be fair with your product. I'm going to give you constructive criticism because I've got a lot of experience in the 30, 35 years of heavy bike riding when it comes to clothing and gear and bikes and stuff like that and, and components. So I try to maintain um, a little bit of uh, objectivity when it comes to uh, reviewing things. So I, I steered away from doing that. I said, sorry, I can't do that right now because I just want to maintain the fact that I want to be as fair as possible and I don't want to have to be giving anybody any um, um, uh, or, 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 you know, at least give the idea that I'm just saying something good about mm-hmm. something because I'm getting some money for it. I guess that's the way Or that say. you're getting the product free. I mean, we you see it all the time. If you read other people's blogs of reviews, or even if you're Google searching to check something out, oftentimes mm-hmm. there'll be a lot of um, blogs or reviews that come up. And if you read them, and there's always going to be that caveat in many cases that says, just so you know, I received this or this from mm-hmm. the, the company. Now, sometimes depending on how you negotiate the deal, they will allow you to have 
complete um, oversight on, on what you produce, but a lot of times mm-hmm. that isn't the case, especially if there's affiliate links that are included. So thank you for keeping the objectivity in what you're doing. <laughs> I, I think yeah. getting products for free is a great way to test it that because that's not creating an affiliate type of program yet. No, and you, no, you no. may wish to do that one day on fabulous products. And of course, we think that that would be wonderful. Right, right. Well, I, I, got, I got an email recently. Somebody wanted me to review something. I said, I'm absolutely you know, open to doing that. But just keep in mind, I'm going to be as honest as possible with your product. I will, I'm, I'm not overly critical, but I will give you some advice if you want to make your product better. And generally, the things I get have been really good. I've never really panned anything you know, you know, in, in a big way. So uh, I've got some really nice stuff over the years and it, you know, it's kind of fun to do the videos uh, and get stuff from around the world. I've received stuff from Vermont, I've received stuff from Australia, I've received stuff from China, received stuff from Indonesia. So it's pretty cool. People see my videos and they ask me to do a review. It's really fun actually. And so for our listeners, go check out his YouTube channel, follow him, check it out. Just know that, you know, you may be seeing and hearing more of John on our show and what we're doing. So check, check him out and, and look at what he's, what he's reviewing and the information that he's providing. Cause it's really good resources to have accessible at any time, especially when something specific comes up that you require or need, or if you're planning a tour and you know that you need to acquire something. I mean, we have a lot of forums, as you know, on our website that people can, share and discuss information, but they're not necessarily someone that has professional experience like you do with the length of time with a variety of products, which is what I like about what you're providing. Well, um, you know, I started riding when I was in my early 20s, like really heavily. Everybody gets on a bike when they're a kid, you know, and and in my early to mid twenties, I started doing a lot of bike riding and then I got long distance riding. I've done some tour touring as well, which you guys are so much about when you have the people, uh, you know, going out and visiting, uh, you know, the warm showers, um, uh, sponsors, I guess you could say, but you know, it's been more than 30 years. I've been bike riding now. So I've still got gear. I've been riding for 20, 25 years and I love it. And I wish I could get the same stuff again. They don't even make it anymore. So I've got oh, some yeah. clothing that I'm still wearing this 20, 25 years ago. And I say to my wife so often, I wish I had another pair of these poly pro tights from Louis Garneau. They don't even make them anymore. Got a few holes in them, but you know, that stuff I bought years ago, still helping me out today, particularly in the cold weather stuff, you know? Isn't it true? Sometimes you wish you would have bought two of items. Like that happens to me too. Like you'll find something that is just so perfect and you're like, darn it, I should go buy another one and they're either out or it's too late and you can't get it again. And if you lose it, (laughs) heaven forbid, if you lose it, it's like, oh no. (laughs) I had a pair of cycling gloves that I must have stitched up six or seven times. They got the little holes. They're full-fingered gloves. And I stitched them and stitched them. And eventually, they just basically fall apart. I love them so much. So that is definitely true. Yeah. So... So do you have a lot of long tour experience or are you more short tours and mountain biking? Well, um, like I consider myself sort of a long distance bike rider. Um, you know, right now I'm working my way up in, in when it comes to kilometers because it's been winter here and, uh, you know, I don't do as much riding, although I ride as much as I can through the winter. In fact, I've just done a few uh, videos when I was out in minus 20 Celsius temperatures and colder, uh, cold weather gear. 
uh, here in the city. Um, but I, you know, I did a tour a number of years ago. I went across basically about half of Ontario. Uh, I did it in five days. It was about 900 K and, uh, learned a lot. I've still got a lot of the gear. I bought some, you know, some saddlebags for the bike and things like that. And, um, as far as, uh, long distance touring, I'd love to do more of that. I really would. I'd love to do a tour from here out to Jasper, Alberta, which is, mm. oh, a good 500 K from, uh, from Calgary and and come back again uh, it would be a beautiful ride into the mountains. But I did a bit of riding a few years ago when it comes to touring. But I'm generally, you know, I go on hundred mile rides, lots of hundred k rides through the summertime, and of course I do the mountain biking as well. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, mountain biking is super fun, and you're living in the area where that's uh, <laughs> that's a, yes. a, a, a a sport that is a part of the lifestyle. Sure is. Well, and you're in Colorado. You know, we're not mm. really that far apart when it comes, right. uh, when you get right down to it. I love to visit uh, Colorado. I'm planning a trip in the fall to go to uh, uh, to Moab, Utah. Never done mm. that mountain biking, and I've always heard about it. And living in Ontario for so long, it was so far away, but now it's just basically 14 hours straight south from where I live now. Yeah. So hope to do that sometime in the fall when uh, with a friend of mine. Yeah, that's that's great. Well, and if you make your way to Colorado, make sure that you look me up if I'm here, because you never know, I might be back in Hawaii. <laughs> you never know yeah. where I'll be. <laughs> I was going to say nice tan. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold in Colorado, so it was a, quite a shock to come home. It was, I feel like yes. I'm in that, you know what it's like, right? You've done, when you've done a lot of new things elsewhere coming home is like integration. You need like integration time to like people and do the normal stuff again. Yeah. Well, you know, if you live in a cold climate, um, you, you try to get, you try to run away away from the cold sometimes. Uh, years mm-hmm. ago, I rode from uh, eastern Ontario, where I was living just south of Ottawa in a place called Cornwall. And I rode. I drove 18 hours straight to get to uh, North Carolina to do some mountain biking and some road riding one year, just so I could get away for a week. So yeah, I, I, I'd love to come to Colorado and certainly looking forward to going into the United States this year, doing a little bit more traveling, which hasn't been something we've been able to do so much over the last couple of years. Yeah. I didn't realize that you're from Cornwall. So I have family in Arnprior and Renfrew. Oh yeah. 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 So that's, it's funny when you said that, I was thinking, oh, I I don't know that we've actually talked about that, that part of Ontario. Interesting. It's a beautiful. I I lived in Eastern Ontario for about, um, about 20 years. I actually built a mountain biking area. Uh, just outside Cornwall. It was about 250 acres. I made arrangements with uh, the local uh, council there. Uh, They allowed me to use the land. We put in all sorts of trails. We built obstacles and bridges and teeter-totters and whatnot on it over several years, which became very popular. It's called the Charlottenburg Forest Mountain Bike Area. And uh, I think it's come into a little bit of disrepair since I left because I spent more time working on the trails and actually riding them back then. But that's the kind of thing I like to do um, to sort of support and, um, you know, the cycling and, and, and get people involved because it's such a great thing to do. It really yeah. is. So have you, has this been part of like your career? Has this, has this been how you've invested your time or have you worked outside of this passion and hobby that you have? Um, I've been a broadcaster for how long now? Oh, more than 30 years, I guess. Um, radio. Mm-hmm. I still do part. I still do radio here at a radio station in Calgary. Um, I did for a number of years. I I was able when I did the mountain biking area in Eastern Ontario. I did apply for a grant through an organization in Ontario called the Trillium Foundation, um, and they support nonprofit groups. And I put together a proposal, and I went out and taught kids mountain biking out of a 
a building in Cornwall, one of the city buildings. They allowed me to have an office there. And I had a mountain biking course. We did it out in the uh, in the yard in a football field where I taught kids about, you know, bike skills and whatnot. Built the mountain biking area, went around to schools and uh, taught uh, kids about bike safety and things like that, and did some rides in the area as well. So I was able to get a grant and did that for a couple of years, which was really fun, uh, very beneficial. Again, built a whole mountain biking area while I did that. So um, it was, you know, part of what I've done over the years, but generally I just try to encourage people to ride. You know, I've had friends over the years who've got into cycling. Um, one of the proudest things I do is, you know, I always say to people, if you're into cycling, you don't have to do a century, a hundred miles or mm -hmm. in Canada, it'd be 160 K, but that's kind of one of the pinnacles of riding. And over the years, friends of mine, have got them out there, encouraged them to get that ride in because that's something you can always hang your hat mm -hmm. on sort of a bucket list for a cyclist. If you ever want to do a hundred mile Right, right. So uh, that's the kind of thing I've tried to do over the years, and um, it's just it's just really a great pastime for me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Today's episode is brought to you by BikeFlights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment. And you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for the outdoors, they are committed to reducing environmental impact, and every bike flight's shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. So if someone is looking to plan their, their first, you know, 100 miles and they've checked out your YouTube channel and let's just say that whatever they're looking for, they can't, you haven't reviewed or they can't find, how do you suggest somebody goes about finding a good resource for what they might need? Like, how do they go out and source the information? Like, what's the best place? People always ask me uh, my best advice when it comes to getting into cycling. I say, get a bike that fits. Okay. Um, you know, and maybe spend a little more than you think you want to spend. A lot of people say, you know, every bike is a good bike as far as I'm concerned, if you ride it. But generally, if you buy a little bit better bike, it's got better components, it works better, you're more likely to ride it, it's more comfortable, and that's where fit comes into it. So I would suggest if you're getting into bike riding, you know, um, I did a I did a ride a number of years ago. I rode from Calgary to a place called Highwood Pass, which is the highest road crossing in the Rocky Mountains. Um, it's southwest of Calgary, 2,206 meters above sea level, 7,239 feet. I know I've seen that sign so many times up there. And it took me about eight and a half hours to get there, solo ride. And I was really tired. And they said, didn't your butt hurt after, you know, riding for that long? And I said, well, yeah, of course it did. I said, if I'd sat in a recliner for nine hours, I probably would have hurt too. But yeah. get a bike that fits is an one thing I can tell people, um, learn how to do basic bike maintenance. Uh, that's the number one thing. I, I have friends who work in bike shops and God love them. They make a lot of money from just changing tubes on bikes, you know, 20, 25 bucks a pop. Sometimes I think it's about that. If you learn how to do that yourself, you can save yourself a lot of money. And that's where the cycling on a shoestring comes in, you know, learn how to do bake, basic bike maintenance, how to adjust your gears, how to adjust your brakes, how to change a tube, how to maybe do a, you know, fix a flat is something you might 
need to know how to do when you're out on the road. Get some comfortable clothing. Cycling clothing has its purpose. So get some of that stuff as well. And there's lots of that on my website or on my YouTube channel at Cycling on a Shoestring, where people can find stuff that's good quality, but doesn't cost so much money. So a good bike, do some bike maintenance. Uh, and do and do some extra do those kilometers those miles you need to do so you can work yourself up to say to do a hundred a hundred k or a sixty mile ride which we call which here in Canada we call a metric century so that's something that those are some of the things you can do just to work your way up to that point. We have a lot of uh, users of our platform we call them users um, our amazing community that will often embark on a journey. Um, you know, two, three, four weeks long, you know, thousands of miles at a time mm-hmm. without a lot of pre-planning, <laughs> without a lot of yeah. pre-planning. And uh, there, there is something that is in that journey that, you know, you, you can, you learn along the way about yourself. And of course, you know, if you're staying with Warm Showers hosts, you're immersing yourself in the communities of the lands that you're riding on. So that's, that's really amazing. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that we don't talk enough about learning simple, basic bike maintenance. Like that's actually a really good point. And, and do you have videos like that on your YouTube channel or there, I'm sure there's lots of resources. We haven't actually published any of them. I'm sure that there are, but. I did a, you know, I did a, um, how to, how to change a tube and how to patch a tube. Um, but there are thousands of videos. And I mean, for instance, a great resource, if you want to go to YouTube, go to the park tool web, um, YouTube channel, because they've got, you know, professional mechanics and I do all of my bike maintenance myself, but these guys are pros. These guys have been doing it for years and they're up to date on all the latest technology, whether you're using, you know, um, uh, like uh, the new shifting systems on the Shimano bikes or whatnot and, and going back for years and years. So go to park tool and lots of guys will go on there, show you how to do adjustments on your gears and on your brakes and things like that. So for me to do that, I could do that, but there's so many people who've done that already. And park tool is a great place to go to learn how to fix your bike. And there's, of course, all the resources on the internet you can find for pretty much anything. I was just looking yesterday. I've got a recumbent bicycle I bought last year. You know, the kind you sit down in and you put your feet up front. Yeah, that's what my dad, that's what my dad rides. I take my dad out and we, when we do long trips, he rides a recumbent bike. (laughs) Oh, um, best $300 I've ever spent. Mm -hmm. I got a used recumbent. Again, if you want to go cycling on a shoestring, look on your marketplaces, whether it's Facebook here in Canada, we've got one called Kijiji. I'm sure there's all kinds of different marketplaces online to find inexpensive things, but I bought a recumbent for 300 bucks. I've never spent a better $300 in my life. I absolutely love that bicycle, but I was looking the other day on maintenance on a fork, which is very small on a recumbent bicycle, complete information on the internet on how to service that fork, which I'm going to do because it hasn't probably been done in 20 years. So use the internet and learn those things. And if you're going on a bike tour, knowing how to do bike bike maintenance like that, you know, even including things like if you break a spoke, how do you true your wheel so you can get to the next bike shop to have a spoke put in? That's stuff you should know how to do, even change cables. Because I remember when I went on my, when I've gone on tours, I take bike cables with me. I take an extra spoke and just in case, in case I break one, all the tools you have to bring along, of course, um, know how to use them, including how to fix a chain. And that's something that has happened to me many times, broken chains on my road bikes, on my mountain bikes over the years. I I can fix those things and I don't ruin my day if I do that when I'm out on a trail or when I'm out on the road. Don't have to call the wife and have her come pick me up because I can fix that chain if it snaps when I'm out on the road. Yeah, really, really great. And of course, those that are touring 
in, in other countries or other locations. Um, it would also be helpful to know not only, you know, connecting with your warm showers host, but potentially even bike shops that are nearby. If you, if you've already replaced your spoke, say for example, or a chain and you still have another 30 days of riding ahead, where to be able to source, um, you know, more supplies to have on you in case it happens again. Well, you know, we're so lucky now, you know, you just, I was actually looking back, um, the, the ride I did across Ontario a few years back, and I actually have, I don't have it sitting here, but I had a little pad of paper and I wrote down how far I rode each day and where I can, you know, things like this. Um, I had to, pl- I had a map, <laughs> a map, not Google maps. Now you have Google maps and you just put bike shop in and it shows you where everything is along the way. So you're really lucky. I had to go to the local uh, police station to find out where the local campground was when I wanted to stay in a town. I wasn't sure how far I was traveling that day. Nowadays you just go campground. It'll tell you the hours they're open, how much it costs. So we're so lucky today when it comes to long distance riding you can find pretty much anything instantly. And generally you have cell cell phone coverage pretty much anywhere these days too. I love it because you've just, like me, you know, you've aged us that we we lived at a time mm-hmm. before these devices gave us all the information. We used maps and pieces of paper and pencils for and everything. We had to- I had to look for the the phone booth, right, to mm-hmm. make a phone call and tell people where we are on that day. Yeah, no, it's it's just me. And then nowadays, I'm actually uh, doing a review right now on um, a low cost GPS for your bike. I've got a couple of Garmin um, GPS, a little a little long in the tooth now. One of them's buttons not working so much. I went online a couple of weeks ago and I said, look, low cost bike GPS found this company, and they sent me one of their units, and I've been testing it out as of late. Um, and the GPS, I mean, you can plan your route with less, the least traffic on it, you know, and you can go on Google Maps and go to Street View and see what the road looks like and see if they've got a nice shoulder. So these are wonderful things for people. And, and if they're out touring, because you want to stay off those roads that have people flying along at 70 miles an hour and you've got no shoulder, it's nice to have that extra pavement out there. So we're really lucky these days, very yeah. lucky. We do have technology and there are some parts of the world where um, cell phone signal isn't as great, especially if you're traveling with an out-of-country phone. But what we do have is in our app, um, our app has the ability to cache information for you. So if you've pre-planned a map or, or bookmarked something when you are in cell phone signal, the app will actually maintain the information for you. So if you pop out of, of signal, you still have access to that information. That's fantastic. I like that. We you go into the mountains here, not too far from here, and you don't have any cell phone coverage at all. Yeah. And that's, you know, about 45-minute drive from Calgary. You're just out by yourself, which in a way is kind of nice. It's you know? part of it's part of the purpose. Really. Let's <laughs> yeah. let's yes. be real. It's part of the purpose uh, to be away turn from off people. The notifi- <laughs> leave the phone at home. Don't need it. Turn off the notifications. Go for a bike ride. Enjoy, enjoy yourself. Yeah. And if you tell people now that you're going on a bike ride without your phone, they'll be like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Whereas that's that's part of the purpose. Yeah. Well, yeah. John, thank you for being this amazing resource and being willing to come on here and talk about what you do. And and we will definitely send as many people your way to the to your YouTube channel. We'll put all the links in the show notes. And you know, thank you. You're you're providing a really great resource to so many people. We appreciate the service that you're providing. 
Well, th thank you very much for asking me. I hope everybody is having a, a, a great year so far on their bike. It's interesting, you know, being... Being on YouTube, I'm I'm very cognizant these days, the fact that you're around the world. You know, I often talk about being in the northern hemisphere. We've been dealing with all this cold weather. But as you move yourself into that colder weather, if you're down in the southern hemisphere, I hope you can continue to keep your uh, bike riding going. And for those of us, we're just starting to get back in shape. Have a great season of riding for sure. And thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you, John. And thank you for listening. And you know, the best way that you can support this show is to share it with someone that you think it would be helpful. Of course, your rating and review is always appreciated, but sharing really is caring. So thank you. And we will be back. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.